morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 157, and pleased to have Mr. Dane Bacon, the head girls basketball coach at Bellevue West High School here, just south of the Omaha metro area. Of course, you know, Bellevue is still part of the metro area. They're just in the Sarpy County metro area of, of Omaha. Uh, coach Bacon, excited to have him on here. Uh, a lot of great stuff that I'm. Uh, we're going to talk about here tonight. Uh, my, my voice is kind of coming in and out here. I, I, I At times, I, I feel like I'm sounding like I'm a 13 or 14-year-old going through puberty again, Dane. Uh, but uh, I, I got this bad cold a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, my, my voice just still hasn't fully recovered. And with the snow day today, I thought, oh, I, I get to just rest my voice and not do a whole lot. And it's still not up to 100%, but I'm going to battle through it here, uh, Dane. And help me help me through this here, Coach. Is that all right with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm <laughs> glad you're battling through it, and I'll do the same. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to show the toughness here. So uh, <laughs> before we get going, of course, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Give them a call, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Of course, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum in the ratings. Please subscribe. That helps me out as well so that we can help as many coaches as we can to educate themselves and help them hone their craft. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out a penandanapkin.com. Very good coaching website as well. Uh, Coach, how was, your, how was your snow day today? Did you, did you get through the blizzard of 2023 all right? Oh, yeah, we just barely. Uh, I was really <laughs> hoping that we were going to be able to get some practice time in, but uh, unfortunately for the snow warning, we weren't able to practice. So just been hanging out, trying to watch some film, trying to prepare for our game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's uh, let's get going here. Uh, head coach of the Thunderbirds, uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, I'm just going to, like we do at the beginning of most of our podcasts, uh, I'm just going to have you tell your story, your basketball journey, how you ended up being the uh, head girls basketball coach at Bellevue West. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I graduated from Kearney High School in 2009. Uh-huh. Uh, I ended up going to Hastings College, and I played for Lance Creech from 2009 to 13. Once I finished that stuff up, I went to uh, do some student teaching in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I did my student teaching at Lincoln North Star, where I was a volunteer varsity assistant for Coach Tony Katroki. Um, once I finished that up, uh, I was looking for jobs, and my wife um, was was thinking about doing some nursing school. She applied to some schools in Omaha, mm-hmm. so I did the same and was trying to find a teaching job, and I got a teaching job at Bellevue West, and fortunately, my AD, John Morrow, talked me into coaching some girls basketball, and yeah. I've been here for nine years. Uh, this is my fifth year as the head coach at Bellevue West. Gotcha, gotcha. Um you know, it's uh, you, you've had a, a a good run this year. Uh, you uh, at one point you were ranked number one in the state, won the holiday tournament, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to some of that here in, in just a little bit. 
But when you took over the program, uh, Bellevue West, for those of you that don't know, has is been one of our stronger programs in the state uh, at the at the Class A level. Uh, but you took over at a time where the where the program was was down a little bit, um, and was was and it wasn't bad or anything like that, but just was not. Uh, at the the heights that uh, the program had been at before, and uh, you know, so you had a little bit of a rebuild to get things going back into the place where uh, Bellevue West is used to being at. Uh, what were, what are some things that you you feel like you've done over the last four or five years to get the uh, the Lady T Birds back kind of into the upper echelon of the of the Class A field here in the state of Nebraska? Sure. I, you know, I've always been fortunate to have really, really good players. Um, even my first couple of years, well, maybe we weren't so good. I think I went 8-15 my first year. Uh, Keely Felici's on that team that's at UNO. We had a kid named Sierra Roberts that was a really good player. Uh, the following year when we were 10-14, and 14, um, I got Taryn Wharton that's now playing at Northern Iowa. So I've always had really, really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought what kind of slipped a little bit was our culture. Um, just kind of that stuff every day. The kids know that they're important. Um, we work really hard. The preparation is where it needs to be. I thought Bellevue West, because of their success, uh, early in my first two years, we thought that it would just be there automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of had to figure out how to go back, take a couple steps back and figure out how to fix our culture and, and how to get that everyday type attitude and, and that every day we're going to work really hard. And I think that we've done that. Um, and I think the other thing that's been great now that after you've been there a couple of years, I think the kids are really buying in. Um, they're kind of listening to some of the things that we ask them and, and they're, they're great. Um, we have a, we have a bunch of really good players right now. So obviously the players is huge, but I thought the big thing that we had to improve my first couple of years was, you know, how do we make this place special again? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, how do we help our community out and how do we get back to those roots? Uh, when Bellevue West was so special at the state tournament every single year. And, and I, thought the big thing was improve our culture mm-hmm. what were some what were some practical steps uh involved with that what are you know what are some things that you that you did there to, to help those that are that, that are feeling like they're in that situation uh what, what what are some things that you felt like you guys as a coaching staff did well to help build things up in that direction just on a on a day-by-day process i know you kind of a little bit you know, I'm I'm gonna pro- poke and prod here a little bit, Dane. Uh, I'm gonna dig a little deeper. Uh, what what are some things that you felt like specifically uh, you put into place to help get things back to have that pride and that daily work ethic in your program again? You know, I think the, the first thing that that was important to me was the relationships with our players and our coaching staff. I thought that that was something that was really important and something that needed to get cleaned up and fixed. So. What was big is my first year I actually taught at the elementary school. I was at Leonard Lawrence and I wasn't up at the high school yet. Um, and going into my second year, I was able to start teaching PE at Bellevue West. And I thought being in the hallways, being around our players every day um, and being a hands-on, just letting them know that we love them, we care about them, and they could see me every day. Uh, and I thought that was bigger than basketball, right? Because mm-hmm. at practice, you kind of got to hold them accountable. You maybe you're a little bit meaner than you are normally, uh, <laughs> 
but just seeing me in the hallways, um, knowing that I care about them, I think that those things were huge. And I thought that's what's kind of driven us into this. I believe that we have some of the best relationships with our players and our coaching staff. And, and we made it a really fun environment. And, and kids want to be there and they enjoy practice. And, and that's the biggest thing is, is how can you get – you know, it's 15, 16, 17-year-olds to enjoy the process because mm-hmm. basketball is a long grind. It's, shoot, nine months we're in the gym at least four or five times a week trying to get better, trying to fix it. So, you know, the first thing that I thought that was important was how do I make these kids understand that we care about them, we love them, and we want them to do uh, big things in their future. Mm-hmm. How important is it for you or how important is it for any coach uh, for to, to have your players – see your human side i think it's huge um because you get to that point when you're at practice you're in games you want everything to be perfect it's not going to be but you're striving for all this perfection um doing everything right doing the little stuff right and i think that it's important for your kids to see you as the person um because when they can relate to you as a person the relationship can be stronger and i think when the relationship's stronger with your players i think that they achieve more um, I think that they're willing to go to bat for you a little bit more. And, and I just think it's super important. Mm-hmm. Was it uh, for you as a, as a guy who, you know, played in high school and then went on and played four years in college, how tough was the adjustment for you to go from a, a high level uh, player to now being an assistant coach and, and, and stepping into that coaching realm? Um, I think that the big thing was, you know, when you're a player, you feel like you have all this control. I know I felt like I had a bunch of control as a player Um, in the game. I never really got too excited. I kind of knew that I could pick my spots and kind of figure some things out as the game went on. Uh, When you're coaching, it was a lot different just to adjust take a step back and try to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to help these players be successful? Because you kind of have a little bit less control on it, especially as the game going. Um, You're only going to go as far as your players take you. So we really focus on trying to put our players in as many basketball situations as we can at practice, Mm -hmm. just so I'm not micromanaging them. I want them to go play, be free, be themselves. We're going to live with some mistakes, but ultimately try to put them in as many basketball situations as they possibly can so they're ready for any moment that's out there. And I thought, you know, that was the big thing as a player is I always felt like I had control. Mm-hmm. That first couple of years coaching, I had to really figure out is like, okay, how am I going to take a step back and how am I going to help players take control over those moments? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... uh I've I've kind of been on the the flip. I, I've coached long enough that now that my 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 own children have have been involved with stuff. And when when our middle son was playing, I would always get way more stressed out in the bleachers. And and <laughs> and I tried to. I mean, I I wasn't a, a big yeller, kicker, screamer in, in the. You know, I was I was a parent that kept pretty quiet in the in the bleachers. I hope I was. I tried to be, uh, but oh boy, man, I I would just be having kittens up there and. And uh, now that the the boys are in college, I get way more nervous watching their their college teams play that they're associated with than I than I ever do in my own games because now I feel like well I have a lot more control over my games than I do just watching their teams play. So that that's a that's a scenario that I can relate to as well, Dane. So, uh, but 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 you learned how to do it, and and that's the most important thing. So, um, what. Uh, you know, you, we're, we're, let's let's keep talking about adjustments. Uh, 
you, you go in, you help at North Star, and then you're the assistant coach at Bell West. What, was it three or four years at Bell West as the assistant? I was there for four years as the assistant. Four years as the assistant. So, uh, and then you slide over. You make you make the big eighteen inch jump over to be the head man. <laughs> you know, uh, let's talk about those adjustments. And you talked about stuff that you had to do as far as rebuilding the program. But uh, you know, what were some? What was uh, some of the other big adjustments that you felt like you had to make going from that assistance chair to the head coaching chair, especially in the same program. Yeah. So straight from being the assistant to the head, there's a lot of players that are in the program when you're an assistant and then you go into the head coach and, and I'm, I'm a much different as an assistant coach as I am the head coach, which I think you have to be yep. um, as the assistant. I'm there to kind of be your buddy, try to figure out how to help you meet this expectation, try to figure out the things that you need off the court, whether it's skill work, all that kind of stuff, how do we help you meet this expectation? Um, and I thought that that was, that was something that I was good at, but then the, you know, the next year you have kids that were juniors going to be seniors and they've got to put up with you as the head coach. And I think that, you know, the big thing that changed instead of me helping you meet the expectation, I was kind of setting that expectation. And if you couldn't get there, uh, maybe we had to hold you accountable. The playing time didn't look the way you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, The conversations with the players changed. Um, I know the first couple of years that was kind of hard just because I was much more laid back as the assistant as I am as a head coach. As a head coach, I I find myself being pretty demanding. So I think... Mm -hmm. Early on, those relationships were really difficult just because I kind of went from the having fun, trying to figure things out to, you know, this is what it looks like and this is what we want our program to be. And and if you can't meet that expectation, we're going to find some kids that do. Um, So I think that the first couple of years were were really hard just because you're trying to find your way. You're trying to figure out the things that you want to do. Um, And just having kids that they had to see in a little bit different light, I thought that that was that was difficult the first couple of years. Um, but after you kind of settle down and, and you take a step away from it and you kind of implement your program, I think we've, we, you know, we've really taken some big strides in the past couple of years and we hope to keep that up. How did you communicate that, those, that, that first year or two, uh, those changing roles and having your, uh, players see you in a different role? Did you have, uh, some one-on-one discussions or, you know, uh, captain's councils, that type of thing. How did you, how did you communicate that to the kids? Yeah, we did that a lot. Um, I have a bunch of meetings with our players. Um, I always have them at the start of the year to talk about, you know, these are the things that we think you're going to be able to do for us. Um, I like to check in usually two to three times throughout the season, just making sure our kids are on the same page kind of feeling them out, see where their head's at, see what they're comfortable with, see what they're maybe a little bit uncomfortable with. Uh, We try to have meetings at the end of the year. Uh, Basically, we just try to have that open door communication to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have some bumps in the road. But at the end of the day, I think that if you're willing to have those conversations and you have that open door communication, uh, your kids are going to buy in. They're going to understand what you want. And at the end of the day, it's going to strengthen that relationship, which we talked about a little bit earlier. 
I think that that's huge and it goes hand in hand. If you want to have strong relationships, you have to be willing to have conversations with your players, good, bad, or otherwise, just to kind of keep everybody on the same page. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to, you know, work together to get something done, right? Like you're trying to get to the end of the road together, whatever that may be. Um, And in order to do that, I think relationships got to be strong. And I think the communication has got to be strong. And, and I think that it's important to have those conversations uh, so that inevitably, at some point, when there is a, a question of, well, what is my role or what is expected of me or us or whatever it may be, uh, you can go point back and say, hey, you know, last week, last month, we had this very talk about this. And you said you understood what your role was and you were going to embrace your role or whatever the whatever the context may be. And that way you are able to uh, fully have people understand that this has all been put into place and now it's up to you to do your job. And you may not like your job, but this is the job that we need you to do. And I think that part of it is really important, don't you think? No, that's huge. Um, having kids understand rules and, you know, the biggest thing about making teamwork, um, making it work is, is sacrifice, right? Like you talk mm-hmm. about all the sacrifice that you're going to make. And just as you and I being husbands, sacrificing your time with our families and our wives, uh, you're going to have to have players sacrifice shots or points or rebounds or playing time. Like sacrifice is a big thing to have. And if you guys are willing to sacrifice for one another, I think that you can accomplish special things. I love that. That is that is going into the practice plan tomorrow. We are going to use talk about the word sacrifice tomorrow. So thank you, Dane, for that. That's, that's going to help out my <laughs> practice plan tomorrow. That, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Coaches, I love doing a pen and a napkin. It is something that was intended to become a hobby, but it has become a passion and a blessing in my life. I love helping coaches, and I hope that I've been able to help you in some way, shape, or form. I want to do more, but I need your help to do that. I've recently opened up a Patreon page to help a pen and a napkin grow even further, and I'd appreciate any help that you would be willing to give to a pen and a napkin. From the layup tier, and for as little as $3 a month, to the three-point tier, your generosity will enable a pen and a napkin to grow and develop even greater projects than we've already done. For more information, go to apenandanapkin.com and go to the Patreon link, or go to patreon.com backslash apenandanapkin. Okay, um, you have had some, over the last year and a half, you have had some, uh, you've, you've had some great endings to some of your games, man. Uh, <laughs> of course, you, you, uh, you, you hit the game winner. Uh, literally, one of your kids hits a buzzer beater to send you to the state tournament last year. Uh, you had a buzzer beater again this year against Millard West, I believe it was. Uh, um, you had a buzzer beater a week or two ago against Carney. I mean, you're like the Brad Stevens of Nebraska high school girls basketball, drawing up all these these game winners here, man. Uh, what's uh, what's what's the secret to executing at the end of games? Uh, well, it's got little to do with me. It's got a lot to do with the kids on our team. Um, you know, the, the kid that makes the shot, uh, to send us to the state tournament, Danny Coyer, um, made a big time play, um, big, strong kid. We were able to find her over the top. Uh, she sends probably the biggest shot that I've had in my young coaching career to get me to the state tournament. And then this year it's just been, I mean, it seems like every one of our games kind of comes down to the wire. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we've won 
I mean, we're 13 and two right now. I believe we've won four games by one or two points. Two of them have been buzzer beaters or with the last couple seconds. Um, we've got a four point win in Northeast. I mean, it, it seems like we've get, gotten it done, but mm-hmm. I think ultimately it's the players. Yeah. Um, we have some really, really talented kids. Uh, we've got Naomi White, Annika Russell Brown, Kenzie Melcher, Danny Coyer, Zyel Dotzler. We've got a lot of kids that, that step up in big moments. Uh, while I like to think it's it's me doing something, I think it's about the kids, and I think that you know they've stepped up. What we like to do, um, especially a lot of the time, I thought early in the year we struggled. Just the shot clock's new. Yeah, I thought we struggled with some late game situations, understanding when to foul, when to get a shot, when to slow it down, just because it kind of changes. So we spend a ton, a ton of time on time score possession. Um, I actually found something cool online that says there's a bunch of late game situations with your teams in double bonus one and one uh up eight down eight two minutes left 12 12 seconds left. we try to do as many late game situations mm-hmm. we'll spend and we'll literally spend 20 to 30 minutes every single day on time score possession what we want and try to talk kids through basketball and try to let them know if we're in this situation this is what we want um and i think that's helped us late in games we've had opportunities where i don't have to call timeouts because the kids have been there Uh, they've practiced it they've been around it and and i think we're comfortable in those moments Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a little bit of luck right the ball's bouncing our way right now and we we hope that continues but you know i really believe in our players and i think that you know they're they're going to figure it out and and we have a lot of faith in them. We have a lot of trust in them because of the things that we do at practice and the situations we put them in. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and it shows with uh, the the calmness and the sureness that your kids are playing it with at the at the end of games. And you know, in order to succeed when you're there, you have to feel like you've been there before. And and once you have a little success, I, I, I'm sure your your huddles are a little less anxiety-driven because your kids just kind of probably in some ways feel like, okay, been here, done that, we're going to figure it out again, and here we go. Do you you feel like you kind of have that kind of vibe right now, Coach? Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about that even the last couple weeks. Um, You know, I think our last five games have all been decided by two or four points. Um, We've been on the right side of four of them. The only one we have is the the track meet at Bellard South where we lost 93 to 91. Um, Yeah, I think that our kids are comfortable. Um, And I think that they understand we're fine. We have time. Um, And I think that they've really bought in. You see a lot of times late in games that players will panic. Uh, they'll maybe take a quick one, a rush one. I think in those situations, man, we've really slowed down. We've allowed our offense to execute. We found some of the mismatches that we talked about um, in in the pregame and in our shoot around. So I think that our kids are comfortable, and I think that it's huge, and, and it's proven to be successful for us right now. Yeah. Well, that uh, yeah, that uh, 93-91 game where, where you and, and Bryce both kind of took the air out of the ball, a little bit there and walked it up a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, I saw that score. I, I, I was scrolling through the scores uh, that evening at home, and I was like, that, that's got to be a misprint. There's no way. And not even like a four overtime, or any, you know. I mean, 93-91, seven overtimes and all this other stuff, you know. Uh, and, and for the folks that don't know, that is, that is 
that is the correct score. It was it was 93 to 91, and this was a regulation game, no overtime at all. Uh, so th- in 32 minutes, uh, two high school girls basketball teams combined for almost 100 points, uh, which is you know or 200 points. Excuse me. That's why I teach history and not math. Uh, but uh, you know what was it like being part of something? special like that you know a record-setting game it's the it's the highest scoring highest scoring game in nebraska high school girls basketball history uh, uh that didn't involve an overtime so it's it's the highest score ever for a, a regulation game what was what was that like that that had to even while you were going through it it, it, it had to be like man this is this is pretty awesome you, you know even the, and i think you were down but it still had to be fun just watching that good of basketball flying up and down the floor. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I think obviously in the moment you're frustrated because you think it goes up 93 points, um, and we would like to do some things differently defensively. But uh-huh. Millard South has a really good team. They've got three Division One guards. I think all six or seven of their kids there are playing or college basketball players. So, you know, we actually get down 17, 18 points in that game in the third quarter. So I was just really proud of our kids to fight back uh-huh. um, the way that they did because uh, you know Millard South does that to a lot of teams right now. They kind of they get up 15, 16, and they kind of put you away so for our kids it's sort of the resiliency to get back into the game um but like you said it was fun um it was crazy to see as many shots that were being made and, and the confidence that both teams were playing with uh there was probably a four or five minute stretch that there's no coaching going on it's just <laughs> you're standing there watching kids make plays and i think that's what it's about and when you take a step back, it's fun. Uh, in the moment, you're you're thinking, how in the world can we get a freaking stop so we can we can maybe win this game? But stops weren't at a premium that night. Yeah, her, her, it was kind of one of those uh, hurry up and score so we can score more type of a deal. Yeah, it was kind of one. We were kind of trading threes for twos for a second. We kind of inched away, and if there's another minute left, maybe we get them. But uh, we obviously didn't do enough defensively to win that game. You should have made it like a, a, a soccer game where you, you could have asked for extra time on the clock in regulation or something yeah, like that. Yeah, or offsides or something, back yeah. behind so some of that scoring gets stopped. Yeah. But no, it was, it was crazy. It was fun. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you came, you know, last year you, you make it to the state tournament, uh, lost in the first round, lost, a, uh, like you said, uh, the, the Wharton girl goes to Northern Iowa, Division One kid, obviously, and they're having a really nice year this year. Um, uh, and you, you knew you, had, you were going to have a good team. Um, but like I said, you've won a bunch of close games, uh, and you deserve to win those close games. And, and now the numbers start to add themselves up. And like you said, you're, you're at 13-2. and two. Uh, you, you won the holiday tournament as the seven seed, which is almost unheard of. Um, usually it's the top, you know, two or three seeds are in the running for the championship, but you ended up winning it as the seven seed. Um, so now, in some ways, uh, has the mindset changed a little bit where it's, um, hey, we can be good, we, we are good, we just got to go out and prove it, and and now you've kind of gone out and proved it, you've won the holiday tournament, uh, which is really, really hard to do here in the Metro. Uh, you have this great game against Millard South at their place, they've won a billion games in a row there, so forth and so on, so... Uh, is it a point where you're still building your kids up or is it like, Hey, 
you know, let's not let this get to our heads here. We got to keep our nose to the grindstone. Uh, and, and, and perhaps that philosophy shifts a little bit to where you're trying to keep them on edge a little bit more and keep them hungry and not have them be satisfied with where they're at. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh-huh. Um, you know, early in the year, you're definitely taking it, you know, one day at a time, one practice at a time. Uh, the holiday tournament run was, you know, something that I don't know if we knew we were capable of. Uh-huh. Uh, but as those games were, were happening and the ma- the matchups that we got, we felt good about them. Um, and I thought that we did a really good job. We put together a string of basketball that was really impressive, um, especially you talk about that moratorium. There was actually a snow day the day before yep. the moratorium, so it yep. turned into a six-day break before we went into that holiday tournament. And You play four games in five days, and we kind of caught uh, lightning in a bottle, and we took off. And, you know, while we do still take it one day at a time, and that's kind of our focus is, hey, how do we get better today? These are some of the things that we need to clean up. Um, we've definitely had talks about, listen, we're good enough. And if you guys don't believe it, look what you've accomplished right now. Um, so we do have some of those things to fall back. But I think still, you know, we're stressing right now. Stay mm-hmm. in the moment. Don't get too ahead of yourself. There's a lot of basketball to be played. Our schedule is really, really tough. Um, we still have to play Millard North again. We have to go to Bellevue East. We still have to play Lincoln Pius. We still have to go to Omaha Central. Uh, we've got a lot of really tough games, so we understand it's important to stay in the moment because at any point this thing could slip. So how do we get better today right now? Um, we're excited about what we've done, but it's still about – what's in front of us right now and right now that's going to be Gretna tomorrow and hopefully we can keep this thing rolling Uh coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet as many of you know I spent two years outside of coaching and during that time I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said strip the house down to the studs I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program as I prepared for the possibility of coaching again I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, at this time, uh, let's jump into our John Wooden quote of the day here. Uh, you know, I know you've listened to a few of these before, so you, you know that this is coming here. So uh, are you ready, Coach Bacon, for the uh, John Wooden quote of the day? Oh, yeah, let's okay. do it. All right. So, and, and this one is not from Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. Uh, because um, I I just didn't take it from it. And I put my stuff together last weekend, and uh, I had the book at school, and then I forgot it at school, and then I forgot to make the adjustment to the Wooden quote of the day. So anyway, but it's still a quote attributed to John Wooden, so everybody just relax a little bit. So uh, the John Wooden quote of the day here. I actually have two of them, Dane, so I'm going to let you blindly pick number one or number two. I like number two. All right. Very short one. Okay. The John Wooden quote of the day is, winning takes talent. To repeat takes character. What do you think of that one? 
I love it. And I think it's true. Um, winning is about talent, but if you don't know how to win with character, um, if you don't know how to work hard when you're still winning, uh, I think you're missing the point. So I, I love it. I think it hits true. I think that it's something that, you know, you told me I helped you with your practice plan. I think you just helped me with mine for tomorrow. So um, thank you for that. <laughs> hey, hey, well, we're, we're, we're even. We're even. So that's that's a good thing there. So, um, all right. Well, let's jump into uh, uh, your uh, nuts and bolts of your basketball philosophy here, Dane. Um, let's start here. You can't have a game that goes 93-91, and we're not going to talk about transition offense. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says here. If you score 91 points in regulation in any game, uh, win or lose, we're, we're going to talk about it. So obviously uh, you, you like to play at a high tempo. You like to get the ball up and down the floor. Uh, so so tell us uh, about your transition offensive philosophy, how you implement it in, in practice, maybe what are some drills that you do with it, and, um, you know, it, when I need to interrupt, I'll try to do so politely with some follow-up questions. But uh, I'm just going to let you roll here, man. So tell us about your transition offensive philosophy. Sure. So actually, I kind of stole from the Paul Westhead. So we do uh, just the number break. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of have our kids understand their numbers early on in the season. We have a couple breakdown things that we'll do. We'll number them one, two, three, four, five. We like our four to take the basketball out. One's going to try to catch it on the run or on the elbow. Um, twos and threes will run up the right and left side of the floor, and we want our five to rim run. Uh, we spent a lot of time early in the season developing running hard, running wide, um, and exactly what we want that to look like in transition. The biggest thing that we want is to pass the basketball up. We think it gets up faster. We don't want our kids dribbling at the ton in transition. So get out wide, get that thing up the floor, and allow somebody to make an opportunity or, get, or create an opportunity for a teammate. Um, and then we just kind of talk about what we want each possession. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about the very first thing that we want is obviously a layup. If mm-hmm. we can get a layup, we'll take that anytime. Um, after our layup, if we can't get that, we want some sort of penetration or we want a paint touch. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can get a layup, great. If we can find a paint touch, if we can't score it, we'll live with that. And then we will take a good shot after the paint touch. Those are something that, that that's big in our program is run hard run wide find paint touches and we're not trying to stay on the first side of the floor very long we want to get to the second side which is just a your ball reversal Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of the things that we stress early in the year. We'll break down something simple to just have a four, a one, and a two. So our four, it'll just be three on O. Our yeah. four will make a layup, grab the basketball out, throw it into our one, and our one just literally kicks it up to two. Two goes and scores one in transition. Yeah. And we'll just kind of break that thing down. And then, um, and I know everybody does it. Um, we do kind of a numbered break at the at our practice every day just to kind of get loose. They're numbered, and they run out in transition. And all five kids will shoot the basketball or score the basketball and we'll time it see how fast that they can get through that yeah we are in the process of implementing that type of stuff we had some uh some injuries and some shuffling of the kids before christmas and we're trying to uh implement it kind of on the fly and and you know we're really going to hit that hard uh during the summer here when we get to that point that that west head cycle stuff uh what are some different things that you do 
with like the five on zero is is it the one two three four five layups and you got to get that within 35 36 30 second 37 seconds is it yep. is it stuff like that yep it's just like that uh we usually put ours at uh, 27 seconds um 37 you said? the last one to be a layup so we'll have uh initially we'll have our point guard make a layup and then that gets us into transition um mm-hmm. we'll kick it up to our two two will go in for a layup Mm-hmm. We'll get it back inbounded, kick it up to the three, three gets a layup. Then we'll kick it up to our two, throw it to our five, five gets a layup. And then for our one, <clears throat> we counted our very first one that we shot as okay. the one shooting it. So mm-hmm. then when we go up in transition, we'll kick it up to the two or three, we throw it back to the four that's trailing and they shoot a three. Gotcha. Um, so that's, we end on a, a three. So we sometimes we'll kind of change our variations, whether mm-hmm. We want everybody to score it or we're going for time. When we time it, we let that. We count the one as a layup, and then we have our four shoot a three at the very end of it. We try to get that done in 25, 26 seconds. Gotcha. Uh, How do you – or what are the ways that you implement that three-on-zero, five-on-zero, now into five-on-five into practice? Uh, So we try to talk to our kids, especially with our five on out, because our motion looks a little different, but we want our spots to flow seamlessly into our motion offense. We run kind of a three around two, but it, it essentially turns into a four around one a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we just try to make sure that our kids understand spots because spacing is huge. I'm I'm pretty crazy about kids cutting. Uh, We usually only let one kid cut at a time just so kids have room to, you know, drive it and create plays. I know some people have stuff where they'll let their kids kind of cut whenever. Uh, We're pretty stingy on when we want our kids to cut. While we do want them to cut and back cut and all those things, uh, we only like to do it uh, whether you've just caught it and got off of it um, or someone dribbles at you. If those two things happen, we want you to cut, but we don't want our kids cutting like crazy because we want opportunities for people to have space to play and isolate and, and just let your players make plays. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you're in practice and you're working that uh, that 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 offensive transition, uh, approximately on an average day, how much time are you putting into that? Uh, I would say we spend five minutes every single day on that two and a half cycle stuff where uh-huh. we get up five on O, um, at least five minutes early in the season. We'll do 12. There's days that, um, what I like to do with my sets is I'll do the same thing with them in a two and a half cycle setting so that our flow and our spacing looks the same. And we'll just go five on O with our sets. Um, just so we're working on getting in those things really quick. Um, and I think that that helps us with our tempo and it gives us an opportunity to score some points. I know a lot of people kind of work on their sets in the half court. A lot of the time I'll do mine in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we think that it's harder to guard um, and we think that uh, it's harder to scout if we're going to come on you and be really quick about it as opposed to, you know, slowing things down, walking it up, have our calls. We try to make our calls quick and we try to get our kids used to playing quick and getting out of in and out of the actions really, really fast uh, because we think that we think it's harder to guard. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, uh, we haven't talked about this in a while, so I'm springing this on you here, Dane. Uh, you, you you didn't really give me anything, so I, I, I'm reserving the right to spring a couple of things on you here. Are you ready for it? <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk a little baseline out of bounds stuff. Uh, let, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about offensive stuff, uh, baseline out of bounds. 
Um, what's kind of your philosophy? Uh, what uh, what do you do? Uh, how many sets do you have in? What are maybe a, a couple of things that you like to do? What are you looking for? So forth and so on on your on your out of bounds philosophy underneath the basket. Uh, sure, we actually talk about that a lot, especially at the girls basketball level. Um, mm-hmm. We really think that you can win games on your baseline out of bounds plays, winning on the margins. Um, you bet. Yeah, we, yes, we have- like it's huge. I, you know, in boys, it's maybe a little less, but we really think that if you can get six to eight points in a girls basketball game, that'll really, really that'll win it for you. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't like to go past five plays, mm-hmm. um, but when I when I'm doing something out of bounds underneath. I definitely want to have three options on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we love screen the screener actions. Um, I think it's really hard to guard. Everybody does it. Um, but I, we love to go and screen the screener. Um, and we like to find opportunities to, you know, create a mismatch too. If we know a team's switching, uh, if we know a team's fighting through, we like to talk about those things. Um, but I'm big about um, screen the screener actions. And I love having two to three looks on every single out of bounds play, but I don't like to go more than four or five plays just because I think that becomes too much. Um, and I'm a big believer on have, have your four or five things that you do and do it well and, and have a couple reads on it. And we think that if you do a good enough job screening and setting things up, that it's going to be hard to guard if you have multiple options. So that that's big for us. We love screen the screener and I love having three options um, on everything that we run. That way it's a little bit harder to guard. Do you have a certain formation that you like? Do you run everything out of the same formation or do you have some different sets that you do stuff in? Yeah, I'm kind of weird on that. I love being out of the same formation. No, that's that's what I do. So we're both weird together, brother. (laughs) And I like uh, right now. The last couple years, I've been uh, I've been a lot of box stuff. So everything out of the box. Um, I think that uh, I've done some stuff out of one four low, but. I like to stay away from it just because I like my kids to be in the same spot every single time. Just because, as you know, when we get into this stretch in January and February, everybody knows what you're doing. So if you can mask it a little bit at all, um, I think that that's big. You know, the other thing that we implemented this year that's a little different is uh, I don't call them. Um, I have the kids huddle up um, and we talk about some of the things that we want them to look at or some of the things that we believe in the pregame that the other team will struggle with. Uh, But I'm not making my calls like I used to in the past, holding my finger up and allowing uh, people to kind of scout you and talk about it. Because I think that in the past, it's kind of gotten to our kids' heads if another coach can kind of yell out what we're doing. So we're big about ball goes out of bounds. If we know that there's an out-of-bounds play underneath that's about to be called, our kids are going to huddle up they're going to say what we're in they're going to they're going to go execute um so we talked about those game winners uh that had little to do with me because we scored that one against Miller Dress on out of bounds play underneath and that was something that our kids called based on what we talked about early in the in the, the shoot around so uh-huh. uh, those are kind of what we like to do three options run them out of the box and, and try to be a little bit harder to do to scout. Mm-hmm. How about on the defensive side? Uh, uh, what do you what do you do as you're going through? Because, like you said, um, I really feel like uh, you know very few teams can just not pay attention to baseline out of bounds plays. And usually, if they're really good, they are. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Well, they are paying attention to it. That's what I mean by that statement. You know, Um, you know, one of the things that we've really emphasized since I took over my new job is, you know, this is an area that we can win on the margins. And if we can prevent six easy points a game, and if we can get six easy points a game, that's a 12 point swing, kids. And 12 points in girls basketball is a massive amount of points not when it's 93 91 day but it's 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 in most games that's a lot of points and and so I, I you know most people really emphasize the offensive part of it but I also think there's a defensive side to it too so what what do you kind of do on on, on that as well I think it really based on your personnel um, what does it look like um, and that kind of allows you to do some things right now we have a really big strong post player Danny Coyer so a lot of the time we'll have that kid get through we switch a lot of screens um, that's kind of the way that we like to play defense just in a half court situation full court situation we like to get up speed you up switch all screens um, we've had to change a little bit of that just because Danny's big and strong and we don't want her to get switched on some little guards and we also don't want our smalls have to guard big so mm-hmm. um, what we've done a lot this year is we have Danny get through everything that way she can stay with her matchup um, I think that that's big is keep the matchups that you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that we like to do is we like to take another big, strong player, even if it means that they're not going to match up with their player that we have in the scouting report, we'll have them guard the inbounder. That way they can kind of be another layer of help. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can have our big stay with their big and we can have another big, strong kid that will be there um, to kind of help on the weak side. We talk a lot about, you know, we think a lot of out of bounds plays. They set you up on the weak side first, and then they come back to the strong side. Whether it's screen the screener, or yeah. shooter out, or all those kind of things. So, those are the principles that we kind of talk about. Is we have our big get through everything. We have another strong player guard the inbounder and kind of be a helper. Um, and then, based on you know what we've seen, we'll have guard to guard switch a lot of stuff still just to take things away. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter. Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Let's talk a little uh, shooting here. Um, what do you, uh, what, what's some of your favorite shooting drills? Uh, what are some things that you like to do? What are you emphasizing in your shooting drills? How much shooting do you do? Uh, each day in practice that's like six questions rolled up into one there so uh let's 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 just talk shooting shooting philosophy shooting drills and and uh what you do with them in practice coach sure uh we spend at a minimum 15 20 minutes on shooting every single day uh we obviously believe that that's the most important thing in the game right put the ball in the basket so we spend a ton of time with shooting um that's what we start with every single day as a partner shooting drill it's our favorite thing it's literally simple it's uh, we call it four quarter we put four minutes on the clock 
you have a, a ball and a partner and then we will tell you first quarter everything's catch and shoot 15 feet and you're just shooting get to your basketball get to your partner mm-hmm. um, and then the second minute we'll go catch and shoot threes the third minute we go wonderful pull-ups when we go wonderful pull-ups we have them alternate going left and right mm-hmm. and then we also have them always catch it at the three-point line when they're doing pull-ups and then the fourth quarter which we think is kind of fun is we let them do whatever they want so we just kind of use that as like a buzzer beater so if you want to get into your step backs or your floaters or kind of have some creativity but we usually set a number every single day that they've got to get to um and we love starting our practice with that. We love doing uh, three-person, two-ball. Uh, nothing too crazy, but, you know, the things that we're emphasizing is, you know, being on balance when you catch it, um, making sure you're holding your follow-through, all of those things that, you know, everybody does. Uh, we spend a lot of time with it. It almost looks kind of preschool at times. <laughs> uh, but we really think that, you know, that's where you can set yourself apart is, is finding a way to shoot the basketball better. Um, in the summer, gosh, I mean, we probably shoot for 45 minutes. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a huge thing that we try to spend a lot of time with. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that we've had some kids that can really, really shoot it. But that that's huge for us. Um, we try to shoot every single day. And um, now there's days that we might miss some opportunities to shoot. But if 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 we have enough practice time, we're gonna we're gonna shoot that thing as much as we can. And uh, the other thing that we like to do is uh, we like to try to put you in game situations and and taking shots that we want them to shoot. So we'll manipulate a lot of paint touches in our shooting, whether that's me and you or partner shooting, and we create it to where uh, your partner's got to drive it to the paint before you get to shoot it. Uh, we do things like that just to kind of get our kids accustomed to the shots that we want to take. Um, and we think that that helps us talk to them about shot selection as well. But um, shooting stuff's huge. We do a bunch of that. Um, mm-hmm. Spend a lot of time with it. So you start out with, with it in practice on most days, correct? Oh, yeah, every day. Every Very day first day we thing. start okay. out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, where else, you know, if you're, if you're doing 20 minutes worth, where else are you uh, trying on a, you know, on a, and, and every practice is different, you know, so, uh, you know, most practice plans are going to look different depending on, on your needs of the day. But when are you usually sprinkling, sprinkling in those other 15 to 20 minutes of shooting? So we'll usually go our first 10 minutes of shooting, then we'll go 25, 30 minutes of defensive stuff. Um, then we'll do 20 minutes uh, of offensive game situations, those things that we talked about. Um, and then after that, we usually end practice when we're tired. We'll do a, a 12, 15-minute shoot, shooting segment. Um, a lot of the time we'll do spots. So we'll, the kids will shoot from five spots, and they'll, they'll shoot seven different shots. They'll go two catch-and-shoot, two right pull-ups, two left pull-ups, another catch-and-shoot, and then we'll have them go to the next spot. So they're getting... Um, 35 shots up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of that stuff at the end of practice. Um, we do some other things where, you know, a lot of coaches do the wing to corner shooting. We'll do that. We'll do it with threes. Um, we'll have shooters either make seven or shoot 10. Uh, but we usually like to go 10 minutes to start practice and then 10 to 15 minutes to end it. We use a variation of shooting, whether we, try to get some shots out of our motion or if we're just trying to you know focus and 
kid reps up because that's huge is is mm-hmm. taking the time to take shots yeah do, do you try to uh you, you talked about the four quarter shooting which i kind of like that i gotta I, I might be borrowing that as well so where it's it's two to one now uh in in poaching <laughs> uh you're you're up so uh but uh do, do you have a, a drill or two that is you know specifically geared towards your offensive movements like for us we do uh we actually do a drill. We call it Manhattan drill. And, you know, three kids attack the paint. And on the fourth, on the fourth, the fourth kid, we get the kick out and they, and they shoot it there, but we're emphasizing attacking the paint. And then, um, you know, if they miss, the kids are there for the rebound and we got a scoring system that goes with it and stuff like that. So as an example, uh, do you have some of that stuff within your repertoire as well? Yeah, we do something that's called penny kick shooting, um, and we always put them in three lines. Uh, we'll have, depending on how many you have, let's say I have twelve at the basket, I would put um, I would put seven of them in the ball handling line, which would be kind of where your volleyball lines meet. Um, I would put three kids at the top of the key, and then I would put three kids on the other wing. Um, and then we would just kind of teach them where we want penetration. So, and that also helps us with our movement. If, if there's middle penetration from a wing, this is the appropriate fill that we want to see in our option, uh, in our offense. Uh, we'll do that and we'll get 10 makes out of it. So typically it's, if I'm handling it, I'll, I'll either work on my footwork, whether I'll spin it out to myself and I'll kind of jab step, rip step, drive to the middle. Then we work on throwing passes with outside hands away from defense and kind of teach our motion. Mm-hmm. Um, just on, because I don't like to overcoach it. So I want kids to, to react. So we spend a lot of time with that. So if it's middle drive, I'll drive it middle. I'll pitch it. We'll go one more extra pass before we shoot it just to kind of instill extra passes. And also if there's middle drive, this is what we want. And then we'll do the same look, but we'll drive it to the baseline side. And that kid on the top of the key will fill behind. And then the kid on the wing goes down to the corner and it gives us an opportunity to throw some different passes that we'll throw in a game. Mm -hmm. Um, and also kind of use on different patterns that we use with our players and our offense. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, let's wrap up with this one here then coach. Uh, let's talk about your, your, your summer or, or what you're doing as far as, uh, athleticism, uh, plyometrics, weight room, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously at the Class A, uh, one of your predecessors there at, uh, at Bellevue West, Matt Fritchie, uh, one of his sayings was, you know, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jills and the Joes. And, and uh, you know, you, you got to have, you know, if you're going to compete at the Class A level, uh, let alone any level, but especially at the Class A level, the big school level, you got to have some great athletes. And, and with great athletes comes uh, weight room commitment, athletic, you know, building up your athleticism to maximize your athleticism, you know, so forth and so on. So what are some of the things that you guys are doing within your program to uh, build up just your overall athleticism within your players? Sure. So uh, actually at Bellevue, we have a program that we use that's called Volt. Uh, V-O-L-T, which is outstanding. Um, our football coach, Mike Huffman, is another very, very good coach, uh, kind of saw this program and started to use it. And basically, it's a, it's a personal trainer. So it builds all your workouts for your athletes. You can 
pick uh, sports-specific stuff. So, like, our girls get to come in, and we can literally select girls' basketball player, and it gives us lifts that are going to help girls' basketball players. Um, in the past, you can kind of um, – use it based on your players too. say you have a kid that plays volleyball and she plays basketball she can pick an all-around athlete mm-hmm. in this program and she can lift so usually our summer in june and july we're in there two to three hours a day we start lifting we want them to be fresh in that weight room so we really try to get after it um, to make those kids stronger because we think that the weight room's huge um, we try to lift during the year too. Um, so our summers, first and foremost, we're in the weight room trying to get stronger and we're trying to move some weight around just so our players are getting stronger. Um, so that, that program's great. Um, all of our sports use it at Bellevue West. We think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of builds that it's its own little personal trainer. So we do our volt workout. Um, I usually like to change my, my speed and conditioning stuff. Um, my first couple of years, we did a lot of um, plyometric stuff. We did a lot of running. We did a lot of those things, um, but we weren't very good, right? We lost a bunch of games, so we kind of toned it back a little bit on our speed and agility stuff the last couple of years. And we spent a lot more time playing basketball because we thought we were behind on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we've kind of caught that back up, um, I'm excited to get back into the, the work or the weight room and, and the speed and agility stuff this summer because, you know, our, our starting five all comes back next year. So um, it'll be big that, you know, we're getting those kids stronger. But uh, to answer your question a little better, we're going to start with that Volt stuff. Uh, speed and agility, we like to change. Um, every once in a while we'll do speed ladders where um, they've got to run, you know, up and down the court 11 times, 9 times, 7 times, and we'll build it back up and forth. Um, we'll try to switch up and go out to the track and do some track workouts. Um, some of that explosive stuff. Uh, we also use some cone stuff in the drill or in the gym, just working on quick twitch stuff to try to get them in and out of actions pretty quickly. Um, but we're, we're doing that stuff every single day. Um, we're trying to find the balance of, you know, how much weight room, how much speed and agility and how much basketball, um, we've kind of taken a step back on some of that stuff in the past and we've done a lot of basketball stuff, just Mm -hmm. playing one-on-one, playing two-on-two, playing three-on-three and trying to teach that, Mm -hmm. um, because that's where we thought we were lacking. So I think it's kind of ever changing what you need and just understand that, you know, things are going to be different from a year to year basis. And while I started all speed and agility, I've kind of gotten away from it. Um, and I've been, I've done a lot more basketball than I have in the past. Mm -hmm. What about, uh, what about right now? And I think sometimes we, as, as coaches, when we get into the season, uh, we do all these great things in, in June and July and we feel really good about it. And then we get into the season and then, uh, you get distracted by various different types of things. And, and a lot of times, one of those things that suffers is that strength and conditioning area. Uh, what do you have your kids uh, doing right now? How are you keeping that uh, strength and conditioning and emphasis while also being aware that, hey, we've got you know, three games this week, or we got, you know, we got practice, they've obviously got to go to school, and they've got to do homework, and, and that type of thing, so so how are you still implementing that strength and conditioning stuff while the season is going? 
You know, a real simple one that we do being in Bellevue West is, is we try to tell all of our kids to be in a weight room class. So we have a, we're fortunate enough that we have offer strength and conditioning in our classrooms. So we try to stress our players to take that, mm-hmm. um, take that class just so they're in it year round and they get used to that lifting. And, and right now our, the, all of our starters are in the weight room. Um, our top six to seven kids, they all take a strength and conditioning class. When we don't have our kids in a weight class, uh, we try to get up to the weight room at least two times a week. And obviously that'll be dependent on your games. Like if you have a three game week, you're probably not going to get up there just because it's not super realistic. But, you know, a week like this week, uh, we only play on Thursday. We'd be up in the weight room for sure yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, just make sure we're maintaining. You're not going to go lift really heavy or for a super long time or anything like that, but more or less to try to maintain it because, you know, basketball, you, like you said, you do all those great things in the off season and kids put on muscle and do all these things. But once you get into the grind of the season, it's hard. Yeah. Um, kids are running a lot. They're putting a lot of miles under the legs. Uh, we don't go very deep right now. We play about six or seven kids. So it's hard to find that balance. But we think it's important to make sure that those kids are keeping that strength just from a injury prevention and also just making them better athletes. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, you get your gains in the off season and you maintain during the season. And if you can just maintain, uh, that's about the best-case scenario because of the demands on the kids, both physically, mentally. Like I said, they're going to school. They're doing homework. Some of them have part-time jobs. You know, all those different things. And so if you can keep it at a, at a, at a maintain level, then you've really succeeded. Uh, that's always yeah, been my huge. philosophy, you know. I've, yep, I think you nailed it. I think that's definitely the, what we try to do at LVS as well. All right. Well, we're going to stop there with me being right on something, Dane. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I thought you got a lot right tonight. Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. So uh, any uh, if folks are interested in the Lady T-Bird program, uh, you know, what uh, how can they find stuff about it, uh, about your program on social media or any of those uh, platforms? Uh, we love our Twitter. We think we do a really good job with that. Uh, I say we just because I run it. I try to take some time with that. But follow us at uh, at Lady T Bird B Ball. We try to update whether we're going to have skills clinics, how our kids are playing, uh, the results of our games. We try to keep all that stuff easily accessible. I think our kids really like it. Um, and win or lose, we put stuff on there. I know some people don't do that, but if mm-hmm. I lose, you're still going to see our tweet. We're still going to take care of our kids and, and promote them and let them know how well they're playing. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, Dane Macon, head girls basketball coach at Bellevue West High School here in, in just south of Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, coach, thanks so much for your time tonight. Uh, hope, you, hope, you, uh, hope you enjoyed the, the, the last hour or so just talking some hoops. Yeah, no, thank you. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it, and I'd love to do it again. All right, awesome, man. Well, if you could hold the line here, got to wrap up a couple of things. Uh, again, Dane Bacon, girls basketball coach, Bellevue West High School, episode 157. Terrific conversation. Uh, Want to thank our founding sponsor, of course, uh, Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi at COSAC Chiropractic at 144th and Maple. Check it out, folks, if you need to. Uh, again, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, that, that helps. That helps 
other people find a pen and a napkin if we've got more and more subscribers and retweets and all that good stuff. So uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, email me any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. And of course, check out the Twitter handle at a pen and a napkin. Really enjoyed our conversation tonight with Dane Bacon. Uh, terrific season so far. Got a great chance to be at the state tournament and make some big, big noise while they're down there at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 